the real reason black people hate white people. Mr. Reagan. Today, Valeria and I have taken a little bit of a trip to go apartment hunting. And we're here in Burbank, California, and we decided to stop by the strikingly beautiful Forest Lawn Cemetery. Now, why am I making this video today? I'm making the video because I want to tell you a story, a story of a woman by the name of Liz. Liz was a very good friend of mine. She was a black woman. She was very uh, big, a big girl. Uh, this is back when I lived in Portland, Oregon, many years ago. One day, Liz asked me to go to her church with her. She said, you should come along to my church. I got a great church. So I go to her church, fantastic church. After going there for a few Sundays, I noticed this blonde girl that I found incredibly beautiful. I said to Liz, I said, do you know that, uh, that blonde girl? Because I'd like to meet her. I want to ask her out. And Liz turned to me very seriously. And she said, if you end up dating that blonde girl, we can no longer be friends. I said, oh, okay, wow. What, what did this blonde girl do to you? And she said, oh, I don't actually know her. I said, okay, well, that seems kind of weird. Why then can't, can I not date her? What's, what's, what's the deal? She said, well, when she was a little girl, she, was, she had a little bit of trauma that she endured, right? So she went to school with these little blonde girls that, she, that were very pretty, right, that she went to school with. And according to Liz, they made her life a living hell, right? Uh, Liz told me that these girls made her believe that she was ugly, that she was, you know, horribly fat, and that she was ba essentially worthless. She was not a very pretty woman. Okay, let me just say that. She was not a pretty woman. She was a big girl. And these things bothered her, you know, naturally, they bothered her all the way in her, to her adult life. They made, these girls made her feel ugly, they made her feel fat, and they made her feel inferior just because of her skin color. And I said to Liz, I said, well, that's awful. That's terrible. I actually had a great deal of sympathy for this. And I said, okay, well, you know, even though I thought it was a bit irrational to blame the sins of these blonde girls on, you know, potentially on this blonde girl, but okay, I can kind of understand. Fine. And as we were talking, I said, well, you know, tell me exactly what happened. Like, what, what did these girls do that was so terrible where they were, um, they were bullying you, you know, so much. <laughs> and she said to me, oh, no, no, no. They were really nice to me. And at first I didn't quite understand what she was saying. I'm like, okay, well, okay. So if they were nice to you, why were you traumatized? Why do you did you feel so horrible around them? And she said, no, no, it wasn't that they told me that I was inferior. I simply felt inferior. So, so Liz saw that these girls were prettier than her, right? She admired their skin tone. She admired their hair, hair color. And as she grew older and as she learned to sort of be comfortable with her being a big girl, she learned to be comfortable with her being not super beautiful. She learned to be comfortable with being black, right? Because she wanted to be white. She wanted to be white as a kid so she could be more like these girls. And, but when she felt comfortable with all these things, she also at the same time began to resent these girls for making her feel that way. She rejected uh, the, the, even the concept of the blonde white girl. That category of person she had to learn to resent in order to move on with her life and be a confident person, right? Which there's some sense in, but is incredibly nasty, I feel. is incredibly 
uh, unfair to the girls who Liz felt inferior to. And it's incredibly unfair to any woman that she would meet in the future, that she would hate and reject and resent merely because it was a blonde girl. And I think that this story, and this is an absolutely true story of a, of a, of a person that I knew, naturally we're not friends anymore, <laughs> but this is a story of, a, of somebody I knew, real life, and I think this story perfectly encapsulates what's going on in the United States today and around the world. And we'll get to that in one moment. First, I have to sell you something. Have you found yourself grazing at the fridge a lot more than usual these past couple months? If so, you're certainly not alone. As a result, you could see your weight creeping up too. If you want to take back control of your health and your weight, this message is going to be very important for you. Now, we've all heard of the ketogenic diet or keto, one of the most popular trends on earth right now. And the reason is because really it's one of the few diets that actually work. Keto Elevate is specifically designed to help you quickly and efficiently raise your ketone levels so you can reap the benefits of the keto diet lifestyle without all of the restrictions. And right now is the perfect time to focus on your health and Keto Elevate is ready to help. We know your health is paramount right now. Nobody's getting as much exercise as they should and we're constantly sitting by the fridge. So Keto Elevate has got a very special offer in place. You can get your very first shipment of Keto Elevate on its way to you right now and get a whopping 51% off and free shipping in the USA. That's right, up to 51% off the regular price. Not only that, but because they want to give you all the tools to set you up for a lifetime of ideal weight and optimal health, they're throwing in a fantastic bonus when you order today. What that bonus is, I don't know. They, they haven't written it here in the script, so I guess you have to order it to find out. <laughs> All right, so I've got this stuff right here, and I do take this. I put this in my coffee every morning. I was actually taking this MCT oil. I was actually taking this before I started working with this company, uh, but their stuff is fantastic. This is actually really, really excellent stuff. Anyway, with only one net carb per serving, Keto Elevate doesn't add anything to your bottom line carb intake while giving you multiple benefits of higher ketone levels like less hunger and cravings, increased brain function and clarity and focus, better metabolism, increased natural energy levels, and much more. Click the link right below or visit ketowithreagan.com and get your order in now. Reap the rewards that Keto Elevate can bring to your life right now and take advantage of their 51% off and free shipping in the U.S. That's ketowithreagan.com, and I do highly recommend it. I do think that this is an excellent product. All right, so how does this story about my friend Liz, how is this an appropriate analogy for what's going on in America right now and throughout the world. Okay, so I saw a tweet where somebody mentioned generational wealth, right? And my response to that was a little snarky, um, but, it, but it was totally honest. He's, I said, look, I understand this idea that the accumulated wealth of white people through time is naturally going to be more significant than the accumulated wealth of people from other cultures. But that's primarily because white people invented everything. Right? And that was obviously a provocative statement. It was meant to be a bit provocative, but I wasn't trolling. Okay? And why do I stand behind that? Because I do stand by what I said. I stand by that because when you invent something, you create wealth. If you invent a lawnmower, and previously you were uh, you know, clipping every, every blade of grass by hand, you immensely reduce the labor of the people that can maintain a garden or maintain a yard. And then lots of people can have nicely maintained yards, right? So you improve the quality of life of everyone. 
I mentioned lawn because I happen to be here at Forest Lawn Cemetery. <laughs> but there's a lot of inventions like that, right? The computer, it gives people access to produce so much more, so much more writing, so much more, you know, if you like video games, you can produce more video games if more people have more computers. Once you have access to the tools to create amazing things, uh, uh, the whole world benefits, right? So everybody who invents a tool or who invents something to make all of our lives easier, that person is necessarily going to become wealthy, or we hope they become wealthy. Sometimes the inventions get stolen and stuff like that. But for the most part, because so many white people invented so many things, white people generally are all going to have much more accumulated wealth because we have so many more products and, and services to offer the world. Um, you know, if you go back far enough, you find s relatively simple inventions like a clock, right? We invented the clock. Uh, but if you fast forward a little bit, you've got all kinds of insane things. All right, let's just go through the simple list. You've got the automobile, right? You've got the airplane, you've got the wheel, you've got electricity, you have computers, you have the telephone, you have modern systems of government. You have so many important developments that were created by European people. Now, I don't take credit for those things personally. Uh, I certainly don't think that my value is in any way tied to the value of those people. However, those people accumulated their own wealth, right? And that wealth was then distributed throughout, I assume, their relatives upon their death uh, because they added value to the world, right? And so how does this all relate to Liz's story? White people are just unbelievably accomplished as a race. European cultures have just accomplished so much more than any other cultures throughout the world that you're... you're naturally going to be the target of resentment by ethnicities and cultures who are not so accomplished. And it's a shame, but it's to some degree human nature. So it's not always, and, and certainly there were instances in time when some white people oppressed some black people and, you know, other kinds of uh, groups. However, lots of white people have been oppressed over time you know, poor people are oppressed by rich people. There's all kinds of struggle and strife throughout history by like every single kind of person. But with this black-white thing and with different, with, with different ethnicities, it's much easier to identify people and to, and to easily separate them and say, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. And that's why racism generally is so insidious is because you can very easily categorize people and you can very easily say, you are less and you are more. And I think that with the current situation, a lot of this can come down to, at least in part, not so much to you guys did bad things to our people, your people did bad things to our people. Because certainly, in the same way that I can't take credit for my family inventing the telephone, that had nothing to do with my ancestors specifically. I can't take credit for the invention of the automobile. I can't take credit for the invention of the wheel. Even though I can't take personal credit for that, in the same way I should not be punished for the sins of some random white guy in the South who had slaves. I can't be punished for that. That's insane. That doesn't make any sense. So we, we must look at each other as individuals. But very much like Liz re re resents beautiful blonde women for being prettier than her and skinnier than her and having blonde hair, which for whatever reason she envied, much like her resentment of them, you have entire cultures that I think possibly resent the white race 
for having accomplished so much. And I think that a lot of these white people who are kneeling before black people, to some degree, maybe subconsciously, they recognize that they ha- they're, you know, white people have achieved a great deal more. And they do feel a kind of embarrassment about it, right? Sort of like, and, and everybody can relate to this. And, and the reason everybody can relate to this, I think, is because we're all a bit inferior to somebody else, right? In some way, right? Everybody's inferior to everybody else and everybody's superior to everybody else in some way or another. So, for instance, I'm not particularly good at sports, right? So I look at somebody who's really excellent at sports and I say, I kind of have a compulsion to hate them, right? Because I'm just not good. I want to be as good as you are, but I'm not. So I kind of hate you. But, you know, I, I, I withhold that hatred and I just dismiss it and I just focus on the admiration that I have for them, right? And I think that's sort of the adult thing to do is to recognize that you're actually good at other things so you don't have to really worry. I often tell people that's the way to be a confident person is to just focus on being good at a couple of things in your life and, you know, do try for sure to improve on the things that you're not so good at, your shortcomings, but don't, don't like beat yourself up all the time because you're not as good as other people in certain ways because you're certainly going to be better at other people in, in certain ways. And so you, you know, there's always a balance. There's always a balance. There are very few people in life who are way better looking than everybody, way wealthier than everybody, have a way hotter wife than everybody, live in a way cooler uh, apartment than everybody, has a way cooler job than everybody, has a way cooler car than everybody, travels more, does all this awesome stuff that you can be envious of. Oftentimes when you see people like that, and they're often like movie stars, stuff like this, those people end up like committing suicide. You know, like some of the, sometimes those people who have these very sort of privileged lives, uh, beneath it all are all very, very miserable, very unhappy. And there's different reasons for that. Um, but a lot of times the happy facade is just that. It's, it's, a, it's a facade, right? The happiness that they show is a facade. And so everybody has struggles. Everybody has um, trauma that they endure. Uh, and so there's very, very few people who are just better than you at everything and you should just envy them, right? Pretty much everybody you meet, you should envy in some ways and you should pity in some ways. You should say, okay, you're obviously better than me at some things and so I respect you. Uh, you know, I respect you for those things, but also I'm superior than you in other ways and therefore, you know, maybe not pity them, but certainly say, I can feel confident that I know that I'm probably better than you at X, Y, or Z or something like that, right? So there's a kind of balance always. And that's, the, that's a healthy perspective. That's a healthy perspective on an individual level. And I also think it's a healthy perspective to have on a cultural level or an ethnic level. Now, should you even view an ethnicity as superior or inferior? No, I don't think, I don't think that you should. Because ethnicities are made up of individuals. And individuals really are only responsible for the value that they add individually to the world. They're only responsible for their achievements and their shortcomings individually. With culture, it's a little bit different because I actually think culture is something that should be judged, should be criticized, should be discussed because I think in some ways uh, culture can affect people in very brutal ways. And so if you're born into a culture that's harmful, it'll affect you negatively. And therefore we should, I think, recognize problems in culture. Because culture are, you know, are man-made things, right? It's sort of like a business. You wouldn't look at a business and say, uh, I'm not going to criticize this business because the owner is a very sensitive person. That's ridiculous. You'd say, hey, if, if you found a way to make a business particularly efficient, 
you know, I can make your business 300 times more efficient, but I don't want to tell you because I don't want to hurt your feelings. That's insane. They could be making 300 times the money or whatever, but you don't tell them because you're afraid of hurting their feelings. It doesn't make any sense. So I do think that we should start talking about the problems with, uh, with black culture, which I think are significant. Um, but as well, obviously, we should talk about the problems of white culture. I do that all the time on my show. Um, and whatever other problems we see in whatever culture, if we have a particular interest in Asian culture, we see problems with it. I would say British culture, which I love, I'm a bit of an Anglophile, has a serious problem with alcoholism. <laughs> I don't mind saying that. I don't think that's racist. I don't think that's culturally insensitive. I just think it's true, right? So every culture could benefit, benefit from a little bit of criticism, a little bit of discussion. Um, but like I said, ethnicity, not, not as important as a thing to judge on the whole, because again, it's made up of individuals and we should all appreciate our, appreciate our individual benefits, our individual shortcomings. And we should never hate an entire group because we have this compulsion that we see that that group's better than my group. And so I hate them. I think that's awful, but I think that's a lot of what's going on. I think a lot of what the kneeling is to black people and this sort of like shaming, I'm ashamed of being white. Uh, I think that whole movement is based on this idea that I, you know, that that these people sort of unconsciously recognize that white people have accomplished so much that it's almost embarrassing, right? If I'm looking at at a guy who has so much more than me, is a hotter wife, a better car, better, you know, makes more money. He's 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 a cooler guy. He's a better looking guy. He's he's a more athletic guy. All these great things, and I just resent him, right? I refuse to be friends with this guy. I refuse to be nice to him. I just resent him. That's petty. That's awful. Okay, we all would have a natural compulsion to do that, right? Because we all want to be awesome. We all want to be better than the next guy. But it's 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 a petty, childish thing to to be like. And I think in terms of race, it's the same thing. I think we should respect each race for what it is, including your own. You know, I, th- I do think sometimes, like, if I meet somebody who is, is not as well-spoken as I am, because I'm a pretty well-spoken guy, if I meet somebody who's not as well-spoken as I am, I do feel sometimes a little bit embarrassed. Because I think, okay, this person cannot communicate as effectively as I am. And sometimes people who can't communicate well, they immediately become um, a little bit shy. Because they say, okay, this person is smarter than me or this person... Because just because you speak well, by the way, doesn't mean you're smart. But people think that it does. So immediately if I'm talking to somebody who doesn't speak as well as I do, they immediately think, oh, I'm not, that, I'm not as smart as this guy. And they're a little bit ashamed. They're a little bit quiet. They get shy. And I actually feel a bit embarrassed. And I am actually very sort of apologetic to people. I'm, I'm so sorry I speak so well. I, I feel a bit of sympathy for them. And I also feel a little bit embarrassed that we have such a strong disparity in our capacity, right? In our capacity to speak well. Um, but I shouldn't, right? I shouldn't. I should just respect them for the values they have. And they shouldn't feel embarrassed. They should respect themselves for the values they have and respect me for the values I have. We should be like that with the races as well. White people shouldn't be embarrassed for having accomplished more than other races. We should certainly not be embarrassed for the sins of other people from hundreds of years ago that happen to be the same color as us. So I just wanted to make a video where I added that one layer. I don't just think this whole movement is about people hating white people for oppressing other cultures. I think it's also about people hating white people for having such an amazing, accomplished culture. And I think that's hugely petty, and I think it's awful. But I think it's important an important distinction to recognize. All right, well, that's it for me. And remember, it's not that our liberal friends are ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. Good night. Thank you.
I want to hear only, is it morally right? And on that basis and that basis alone, we make a decision on every issue. Those who would trade our freedom for the soup kitchen of the welfare state have told us they have a utopian solution of peace without victory. They call their policy accommodation. 